And we're still following the uh, uh, we're still following Paul on his missionary journey, and he's talked about and and I've made the point that that Luke in in, in writing Acts is very careful to to show us the parallels of Jesus and of Paul and their trip to Jerusalem. Well, Paul is now, by this point in Acts 22, Paul has made it to Jerusalem. He's there, and he meets with James and the other church elders in the church of Jerusalem, kind of the Jerusalem council. He meets with them, and, and, and they get together, and, and they all celebrate what what God is doing in the Gentiles. Paul tells them that, that, that when he preaches the gospel to the Gentiles, they're coming to faith in Christ, they're receiving the Holy Spirit, and so the, the Jerusalem Council celebrates this and, and says, great, this, this is great stuff. However, <laughs> however, here in Jerusalem, the Jews don't like you. They think that what you're doing is getting them to, move, to, to leave Judaism entirely. Because they think you're preaching that they need to leave the law of Moses, to, to, to leave the law itself, to, to get away from circumcision, to get away from... Their, their, they think that, the, that Paul is preaching to the Jews that they have to quit being Jewish in order to be Christian. And so they're upset with him. And so Paul finds out that they're upset with him. Now, they're upset because this is... This is all of who a Jew is, right? Is all of these rituals and, and sacrifices and all of this stuff. That's who a Jew is. It's part of their, their national identity in a way. They don't just see this as an act of faith. They see it as an act of national identity. So, so this causes a problem. And so Paul goes into the temple with some other guys and they riot. The, the, the Jewish crowd riots because they think Paul is unclean and, and he's gone into the temple and made the temple unclean. So everybody's upset with Paul. And so where we're picking up here is he is, he is addressing this crowd, this riotous crowd. He's addressing them about what he actually teaches because he never taught that you have to quit being a Jew. And so he's, he's fixing what they think He's teaching. So that's where we're going to pick up today. Now, you'll notice that this story sounds familiar. He's telling of his, of his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so we've, we've, we've heard this before in Acts chapter 9. He actually tells it again in Acts chapter 26. So the, the story is told again and again. But it's interesting that, like here, there are some, there's an emphasis on some very Jewish things about his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road that weren't in the, the Acts chapter 9 uh, version of this. And then in Acts chapter 26, when he tells it, um, there, he's talking to Gentiles, and so there's no Jewish flair to it at all. So he tells the same story, but he has a different emphasis each time and, and where we're going to see the emphasis today is that it's for a Jewish crowd. So let's read Acts chapter 22, starting in verse 6, and it is up here behind me. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I said, What should I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Assigned to do. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and went into Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour I looked up and saw him. When he sa- and he said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So again, you can see that this is for a Jewish crowd that he begins this. He, he has an emphasis for a Jewish crowd. Now, in the immediate context, just, just prior to this, he is, it tells us that he's speaking in Aramaic. Now, Aramaic was, uh, was kind of the common folks' language in Israel. Hebrew was used for religious texts, and, and our Old Testament comes to us in Hebrew. Um, Greek for the New Testament, because that was the common language of, of that time, of the time of Jesus. But Hebrew was used for government stuff and for religious stuff. Aramaic was kind of the street language. And so Paul speaks to them in Aramaic. So he's, tell, he's showing them, I'm only you. And he tells them, I'm a Jew from Tarsus, Tarsus, excuse me, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who is the great teacher of all of the Pharisees, And he tells him that he personally persecuted the way. Now that's, again, to remind you, that's what the Christians called themselves, was followers of the way from Jesus, uh, from what Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So they call themselves the way, and, and Paul says, I was a persecutor of the way. And then he describes Ananias as a devout man according to the law with a good reputation among the Jews. This is kind of new information for us. We saw in Acts chapter 9, Ananias was there. But Ananias was this guy that was just sort of a bridge for Paul from Judaism to to Christianity. He was just this guy that was there. Now we know he was a devout Jew. Ananias came to faith in Christ as a devout Jew. So we're starting to get the the feel that this is for a Jewish crowd and that it matters that Ananias was a Jew and Paul was a Pharisee. Now this begins to to matter to this Jewish crowd. So, and, and, and we have a little bit of a different pattern here. He's talking about what Christ has done, but he's really emphasizing Ananias's role in this in this, when he tells the story here. And then in verse 14, Ananias says, the father of our ancestors has appointed you, which, which is a very Jewish phrase. And so we have this Jewish flair to, this, to the way the story is told this time. 
but it's really about what, he, what Paul is showing is the will of God. It was the will of God that Ananias come to Christ, and it was the will of God that Paul come to Christ. It was the will of God that, Jew, that Jewish people come to Christ. Paul and Ananias show us that, that completed Judaism is faith in Christ. It's the will of God that they go from Judaism to Christ. It's not a separate religion. It is the next step. It's the next logical step for them to believe in the Messiah. So that's, that's what Paul is showing when he talks about Ananias and himself and how Jewish they were before they came to Christ. He's showing that this is just the next logical step for a Jew. But I make this point because it's not just for, the, for them. It is the will of God that you come to Christ. You understand that, right? It is the will of the Father that you place your faith in Christ. Now, I point that out because there's a lot of faith systems that say they believe in God but don't know anything about Jesus. And I will say again from this platform, you can't know God if you don't know Jesus. You can't know God if you don't know Jesus. And you can't follow the will of God if you don't have faith in Jesus. Because that is the will of God. You can't know the will of God apart from Jesus. And that's what, it, what Paul shows us here. Paul and Ananias both. <clears throat> but now that we have a little more information on Ananias, think about the faith of Ananias. Consider his faith. Ananias was a Jewish man, devout Jewish man. He, was, he had a great reputation with the Jews in his town, and somehow he heard the gospel, and somehow he came to Christ. Now, this is a step for a devout Jewish man. To, to change his devotion from Judaism to Christianity is a difference. Now, he saw it as the next logical step. He understood Jesus is the Messiah that they have been waiting for, that the Jews have talked about for all these hundreds of years. He's finally here. This is him. Jesus is the Messiah. But consider the, the step of faith it took to make that step. <laughs> consider the faith that it takes to go from a devout Jew to a devout Christian. And then what happens? Then God comes to him and says, Paul is in Damascus, go meet with him. Now, stop here, because in chapter 9, we actually have the, the story of, of Ananias arguing with God. Wait, you don't want me to go to that guy. I've heard about that guy. I know that guy. He persecutes the church. He's the guy that puts people in prison for being Christian. He's the guy that has people killed for being Christian. And you want me to go meet with him? We, we see this argument in chapter 9. We don't, we don't have the argument here, but we know and we can understand the faith of Ananias because first he comes to Christ, then he goes even when he thinks it's probably going to be to his harm. Ananias is probably thinking, I'm going to be put in prison or I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to do what God said. God told me to go, I'm going to go. Now, that's, that's kind of incredible faith. It's incredible faith that Ananias does this. So, so we see that, that, that Ananias and Paul both 
are, show us that, Christ, that Christ is the fulfillment of Judaism. That, that Judaism led us to Christ, and now Christ is the, the, the ultimate fulfillment of Judaism. So we see that, and, and, and it's worth noting, because again, this crowd thought that Paul was telling people to leave Judaism and come to Christianity. He, the, the crowd thought this was two separate things, and Paul and Ananias are saying, no, it's just the finish of what you started. You're on the right road, just finish going. Just finish the, the journey. And then, and then uh, Ananias has a message for Paul. He says, oh, I'm going to read it. The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, which is a messianic title for Jesus, and to hear the words from his mouth, so that you, you will be a witness for him to all people who have, of what you have seen and heard. Tell everybody what you've seen and heard here. Tell everybody about Jesus. Now, I want again, step back a minute, because we don't think of Paul as a guy who needs a mentor, right? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He had thousands upon thousands come to Christ under him, come to faith in Christ under him. He, he preached the gospel all over the, the Middle East. This is not a guy that we think needs a mentor. But here Ananias is telling him, telling Paul, this is God's plan for you. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever had somebody in your life, a Christian brother or sister in your life, that said, you know, I think God's got something planned for you. If it hasn't happened to you, it's because you're not listening. <laughs> because it happens all the time. I can tell you, I can stand here and say that, that I used to lead a men's Bible study. And every guy there knew I was going to end up a pastor except me. I was the only one that God didn't clue in. Everybody there knew I would be standing here. So it happens. We, there are people in your life that are going to speak into your life and tell you God's plan for you. You know, uh, Henry Blackaby wrote uh, Experiencing God, if you've, if you've ever done that study. And in that study, Blackaby says there are four main ways to know the will of God. His word, prayer, circumstances around you, and the voice of other believers. This is what Paul's got right here, is the voice of other believers. He's got Ananias telling him, this is what God's plan is for you. Kind of incredible to think that, that Paul had somebody telling him what God was going to do with him. Because we, at, from, from our viewpoint, we look at Paul, who, who preached to thousands and thousands and thousands, millions literally coming to Christ, because of, you know he taught, and then they taught somebody else, and then so on, all the way through history, and yet Ananias is telling Paul, by the way, this is what God has planned for you. And he also, I will point out, he says all people here, because there are, again, faith systems that say that, there are, that, that the gospel's not for everybody. All people means all people. He, he preached, Paul was told to preach to all people, 
about what he saw and heard. The, the, the universal nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it can save anybody, even you, even me. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we also get some further details in, in all of this. Verse 6 tells us that it's about noon when all this happens. Now, ver chapter 9, when he tells this story, that's left out. But here we know it's noon. Now, why is that important? Because this bright light that blinded Paul was in the middle of the day. This was, wasn't at night where it could have been like a, a door opening to, a, to where a lamp was or something. This was the middle of the day, and this light was so bright that it blinded Paul. Now, it's interesting to think, this, this uh, I was immediately struck by, by the parallels. You remember when Jesus uh, healed the blind man at the pool of Bethesda? And all of the Pharisees, Jesus accused all of the Pharisees of being blind because they couldn't see who he was. They saw, yet they didn't see. Now Paul, who is spiritually blind to who Christ is, meets Christ and becomes physically blind. Kind of a, a, a cool parallel with the other story. But it, but it shows us that this light was so bright that even at noon, everybody there saw it. And then it's, it says the companions saw the light but couldn't understand the voice. Now, in chapter 9, it says they could hear the voice, but they couldn't understand it. Here, it says they didn't hear the voice. It's not really a, a difference. It, it's that they heard something, but they didn't know what it was. They see the light, but they heard something and didn't know what it was. Why are these witnesses even here, right? Why are these guys, these companions, even here? Because they're witnesses to what God's done in Paul's life. They're witnesses to what happens when you encounter Christ, when you have a personal encounter with Christ, there's wit these witnesses can say, they were questioned, yeah, I saw the light, I heard something, couldn't figure it out, but, but this happened to Paul, I saw it. Now, this makes me think about how many people in our lives know that our encounter with Jesus has changed us, even if they don't come to Jesus themselves. Do you have witnesses to the change in you from your encounter with Jesus? Because you should. There should be people in your life that have seen the difference between the day you came to Christ and before that. They should be able to see the differences. Now, we also see Ananias tell Paul to be baptized. And in, <clears throat> and in chapter 9, um, Paul is baptized in the story in chapter 9, he is baptized right there in Damascus. So what we see is the pattern that continues, that, that you come to faith in Christ and then you are baptized. That we see that pattern all the way through the book of Acts. So how does, what's the application for us? What do we need to understand from this? First of all, the will of God. It is the will of God that you come to faith in Christ. That is God's will for you. It is God's will for your family. It is God's will for your, for your neighbors. It is God will, God's will for your coworkers. It is God's will that we come to faith in Christ. It was God's will for Ananias. It was God's will for Paul. It's God's will for us to come to Christ. You cannot follow God if you're not following Christ. You cannot know God 
if you don't know Christ. It's just impossible. Second is that I think we should consider and ponder the faith of Ananias. Not only in coming to faith in Christ, but also thinking about him going to Damascus to meet with Paul, who he knew was dangerous. Ananias knew that Paul persecuted Christians. He knew that that Christians were in prison or killed, executed for, for faith in Christ by Paul. And yet Ananias goes. A devout Jew who comes to Christ and then follows Christ to Paul. And if he had not done that, he would not be part of the salvation story of the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and preached to thousands. You just don't know, even when it sounds crazy, you just don't know how important it is to follow the voice of, of Christ, to follow what God has for you. Ananias did and became part of the greatest missionary of all time simply by following what God told him to do. And then the last part, as I said, the witnesses. Paul has these witnesses of the difference in his life from before and after his encounter with Christ. We all need witnesses in our lives of of the difference in us. Some of them, that difference alone will lead them to Christ. But even if they see the light but don't hear the voice, they are still witnesses that you're a changed person, that that something has changed for you entirely because of your encounter with Christ. So my question for you this morning, have you had an encounter with Christ? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider the question, have you had an encounter with Christ? Because you can this morning. It's a simple prayer. You can follow along in your own words. And simply say, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He didn't die so sin, just to wash away sin, because sin isn't going to go to heaven. He, He died in my place to pay my price for my sin. And so I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life, empower me, change me, transform me. May this encounter completely transform my life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but you have have understood from this story something about your walk with Christ that needs fixed, that needs repaired, that needs surrendered. Will you take this moment right here and do that?
Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this story of of an encounter with Jesus that transforms everything. We thank you for the story of Ananias and his faith. Give us the faith of Ananias. We thank you and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.